Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. A great Brazilian team. Doubt, it's there. They're ahead. It's one of the biggest sporting events in the world. And today, we're giving you an inside look at the teams and playoff pictures to date. As we present Atlanta Soccer Tonight. It's okay now. The goalkeeper's beaten. And South Africa have their first goal. Listen as Jason Longshore gives you all the latest in the world of soccer. As we break down the matchups and get you insights you can only find here. A draw! Oh, he's in the post! Theo has to! He's in the post! But it's finally in! Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta soccer tonight live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. It was a big, big, big day at the World Cup. U.S. England. Also, also Iran beating Wales. That is a big result when we get to the final group stage games. Also, also Ecuador drawing with the Netherlands. That's a big game as well. The Netherlands were a dark horse for some teams. Really big day. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to get it started here with a little short segment. I'm Jason Longshore, Jessica Charman alongside. And Jess, how are you feeling after uh, this afternoon? Oh, that's the noise I would use to describe how I'm feeling, Jason. Honestly, a little bit deflated. Yes, a point's a point. But from an English perspective, I think we're disappointed in how we performed. But most importantly, we're impressed with the way that the U.S. played. And that's the way I have to think about it now I think England didn't do as much as they could have done I don't think they played to their best ability but the U.S. came in and they impressed me and they executed a game plan and they played very well and they dominated moments in that game in a way that I don't think many people expected them to do and honestly those last five minutes I had a little bit of shaky shaky hands because I was wondering if the U.S. was going to be able to find a final opportunity to maybe have a really big upset against England. There were moments in the game where I felt like it could go either way, but there were more moments in the game that I felt like the U.S. was going to have a historic win. Um, And I I think you have to give the U.S. a lot of credit. Uh, A Mm -hmm. lot of the talk is England had a bad day, and there were things about England's game that I was surprised by. There were things that I was surprised didn't change maybe sooner. Uh, Mm -hmm. There were also some changes that I think did solidify things. Um, It was an interesting game. It was a very interesting game. Um, Let me ask you this. Do you feel like, we've talked about this with Gareth Southgate. He likes to rotate between three center backs, which turns into a line of five against tough opposition. He likes to play a 4-3-3 with two center backs against teams where they feel like they're going to control the game. He went with the 4-3-3 today. But it also felt like it was very pedestrian at times, mm-hmm. very slow paced. Conservative, I think, was the biggest issue. The phases yeah. of the game where England moved the ball quickly, I thought they looked good. When they were passing fluidly, when they were moving the ball quicker in transition, it looked good. The thing was, they didn't do that for long periods of play. They weren't able to extend that speed of play. They weren't able to extend that pressure. And when we were very slow, we played into the hands of the U.S. We made it very predictable. We never looked like truly threatening. Yes, we had a couple of golden opportunities. I look back at that Harry Kane header and my heads are in my hands because that's a goal for Harry Kane nine times out of ten, which, by the way, we'll get into Harry Kane and the fact that he shouldn't have been playing. I don't think he was at the Harry Kane level. It's a tough one. I think that maybe we had a game plan of perhaps thinking a draw would be okay. 
because that's how it felt in moments with the recycling, with the going back, with playing a little conservative. And that mindset could have punished us because we weren't the same side we saw against Iran with that focus on going forward. We've got a full hour of Atlanta soccer tonight coming up. We're going to get deeper into U.S. and England. We're going to get deeper into the other games as well. We're also going to look ahead to Saturday with a couple heavyweight matchups, Argentina, Mexico, France, and Denmark. We'll be right back with more Atlanta soccer tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Back to more of Atlanta soccer tonight with Jason Longshore on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back, Atlanta soccer tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. We've got an hour to break down everything that happened at the World Cup today. Jess, let's start by doing this. Let's separate feelings from facts. Let's separate how we felt about the game on both sides and what we saw in the game. Because a lot of the commentary I've heard about this game today has been heavy on feelings, not so heavy on facts. Let's let's do both. Let's start with feelings. You were getting into it a little bit in the opening segment about England and your feeling about how they played. Let me Let me take it a step further. What did you not see that you needed to see and that you need to see against Wales on Tuesday? I think the dominance in the midfield, honestly, Jason, I think that we said that was a key error of this game that we needed to step our foot on. And it felt to me that England, even with the quality they had in the midfield, weren't able to control the midfield. Mason Mount didn't look like a player that was able to control a game like he usually does. I thought that Bellingham was okay in moments, but after he took that knock, was a little shaky in moments. Tyler Adams is just the prodigy, man. I'm sorry, like watching him play, the dominance he has, he's here, he's there, he's absolutely everywhere on the pitch. And I think that he stepped up and England weren't able to control a midfield because of his hard work rate at times. And the game was lost in that midfield where England weren't able to transition through the midfield from the defence into the attack like we had seen against Iran and there wasn't the speed when they did have those opportunities, which allowed the recovery of players in the U.S. as well. So from the U.S. side, the way I felt about this one, I was really happy to see them take the game, take the initiative, take the intensity level up, and really put their stamp on the game. And I know people are are really up in arms at times about Greg Berhalter. I think you saw today the mentality that he wants and a lot of the tactics too, but the mentality of not just settling for playing off of the opponent, but actually making the opponent do some things that they maybe don't want to do. And I thought the U.S. did a really good job of that. I was proud of the effort. I was proud of the work rate. I was proud of the guts at times Mm -hmm. that they showed. And I was going to touch on that, Jason. It was gutsy to put in players that are on that yellow card warning. You know, Mm -hmm. he didn't decide, okay, we're just going to, See what happens in this one. Rotate the squad, protect and focus on Iran. They were confident that they could beat England. And you see why. You see why. There was a lot of like criticism of the press conferences where the US said that they believed they could beat England. There was a lot of over-the-top, rather overconfident English people that thought that was a, a joke. Well, it wasn't. And I did say that yesterday. I said, I think I'm actually quite fearful of it. And the fearlessness of the U.S. to try and start their lineup with everybody in a full-strength squad pretty much was impressive. And they looked very dangerous in moments. Don't forget, Pulisic hit the crossbar. That's the moment that had me feeling the most. If that had been an inch lower, Pickford's not saving that, Jason. If Weston McKinney had put his opportunity away, that was the one that I thought was it. That was a really good sequence of patience but also finding the opening, creating the opening. was really impressed. The swagger of the U.S. Really, really impressed. Now, ultimately, and this is where we got to get from feelings to facts, (laughs) ultimately, all of that good feeling about this that makes me feel good about Tuesday, that, that makes me feel good about what we've seen in this tournament so far, the fact is they're on two points. The fact is they've got one goal. The fact is they're going to have to at least score one and keep Iran on a clean sheet to advance to the next round. And they've only scored one goal in two games. That's a fact. They're going to have to find a way to score goals. It's just that's two shots on target as well, right? Across 180 yeah. minutes. Yeah. That's a concern for me. 
it's just it's just the reality. Um, facts about England, I, I think something that they either tried to do or it's way the, the way the game took them or maybe Harry Kane's condition took them. Mm-hmm. And this has been lost in the shuffle all day long after this game. And it's kind of lost in the shuffle during the game. They had to do a scan on his ankle. At one point, they were worried he wouldn't play in this game. He starts. He he played a true false nine. Like, if you want to know what a false nine is, watch Harry Kane in this game. (laughs) Yes, he is a nine. That's what he plays. But in this game, he wasn't in that position at all. And if it was tactical, if it was this is all he can really do in this game, whatever, usually he drops and then returns to the nine position. Was very rare that he got back into that. And maybe it's the ankle. Maybe it's just heavy legs. I don't know. But that tactic, either intentional or just the way the game took it, that didn't really work. It didn't work because we're so used to having Harry Kane drop back, create space, but then fill that space later on. There was nobody up there inside the 18 once he had distributed the ball wide. I was frustrated to watch him play because he didn't look like the Harry Kane that we all know and love as English people. He looked a little concerned to go into challenges. He didn't want to step to the ball in the same manner that we're used to seeing him going into those 50-50s. It did look like he was a little tentative in moments, a little concerned about maybe overexerting himself. It's not fair to put a player in that position. We talked about it a little bit on our podcast earlier today where we said, players shouldn't be put in a position to make the decision. He wants to score goals. He wants to play. I get it. He wants to put on the England jersey. But at the end of the day, was it the right decision to play a 80% Harry Kane? I, I don't think it was. I thought it was detrimental to the side. And sometimes you put players in because they can usually be so helpful. But if they're not 100%, then it can actually have the reverse impact. And I think that's what it did. You have to manage the tournament. And I know England feels like they're going to get far down the line, but Harry Kane adding Knicks to his, his physical condition right now, I don't think is a good thing. You heard what Brazil came out and said, and that's been misreported by the way, Neymar's not out for the rest of the group stage. They came out and said that Neymar's not playing in the next game. Mm -hmm. And then it depends on what they need in the third game. If they're, if they're into the knockout round, course he's not gonna play bubble wrap that's what you got to do something you got to bubble wrap your stars and protect them they can be working on something else on the training ground they can be practicing their finishing no point putting them into a nothing game in terms of not needing a result and risking that crunching challenge all it takes is one awkward step one bad challenge one goalkeeper coming out like a crazy man we've seen a lot of it this tournament all it takes is a moment like that and then you're not having the choice you're being forced to make the decision that they can't play anymore Matt Turner said he was uh, living out his Jorge Campos side of his his childhood a little bit with one foray out of his 18-yard box. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I gave him a little round of applause. I think as a goalkeeper, you always like when they get a little bit of overconfident outside their 18. So more facts in this game to me. And I want to get a couple from you too as we wrap up this segment. I thought when Jordan Henderson came on, it solidified things for England and, and kind of balanced the game mm-hmm. out. It felt like after he subbed in, along with Jack Grealish, who created set-piece opportunities, which weren't taken advantage of but are usually a weapon, I thought that was a good move from Southgate. He got that right, and the U.S. was not as effective after Henderson and Grealish mm-hmm. came on. No, 100%. I think Jack Grealish is a superstar, quite frankly. I think that he's so dangerous with the ball at his feet. You don't become the most fouled player in the Premier League without an ability, okay? He's frustrating to watch if you're the opposition. 100% get it. There's a little bit of gamesmanship there and maybe going down a little easier, but he's fouled. He's fouled because he has such a good turn of pace, because he has such good close contact, because he's so confident in going one-on-one. If Jack Grealish gets longer on that pitch, I think he draws fouls in more dangerous areas. Yes, service wasn't on point today. I thought that we, from set pieces, how much we emphasized what that was a key component of England's game, wasn't there. We didn't utilize set pieces. Only one really good opportunity again came from that Harry Kane header, should have been a goal. It's difficult to see, but I think Jack Grealish needs more time on the field in this game. And I get it, you want to be cautious with making subs but I think you take a gamble and put him in to have an impact in that game sooner and maybe he's able to draw a penalty maybe he's able to draw a free kick from Kieran Trippier territory and changes the game 
Yeah, Grealish in 22 minutes earned four set-piece opportunities for England. And for a team that is the best in the world in those moments, that is a weapon. It's not to say, and I've read a lot of it, that Grealish didn't do anything. He absolutely did. It just wasn't taken advantage of. All right, we'll be back in five minutes, and we'll get you caught up on a player that has not been mentioned yet who's kind of turned into England's (laughs) Gio Reyna. Find out who that is in five minutes. We'll be back with Atlanta Soccer tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Take a look back at today's matches with Atlanta Soccer Tonight. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 929 The Game and the Odyssey app. Late night soccer talk for your hearts and minds. We got to talk about the other three games that happened today. Iran 2-0 winners over Wales. And, and Jess, I think the easy way to talk about this is Wayne Hennessy, goalkeeper for Wales, gets a red card. Iran scores two goals. But I thought Iran was the better team before that happened, they were just unlucky not to get the goal before that red. Yeah, I mean, one of the craziest phase of plays in the whole tournament where they hit the post two times in a matter of moments. I thought they were incredible, honestly. The firepower they have up top, they were focused. And this is the Iran I was honestly expecting to see in the opener against England. And I'm very glad they didn't play as dynamically as that across the full 90 minutes because I don't think it would have been 6-2 if they had. I thought they were brilliant. Wales clung on by the skin of their teeth and it was the red card that opened it up that gave Iran that last boost uh boost from there took VAR to give that red card that's, that's one that I'm very disappointed in you can't say you're coming out to protect serious foul play you can't say you're going to show cards to make sure you prevent those things and not give a straight red when a goalkeeper comes out recklessly and knees the guy in the face I just mm. can't understand how that's not endangering an opponent and a straight red without needing a second look I'll tell you this about Iran on Tuesday. Do not do what some in the English media did about downplaying the U.S. coming into today. (laughs) Iran, don't worry about that 6-2 game. They stood up for uh, their country people with not singing the national anthem, knowing the risk of that. I'm sure that was a very emotional decision, and they had a lot of emotion going into the early stages of the match against England. Then their goalkeeper was knocked out, literally. And that's going to mess you up for a while. And it did. Second half, I thought Iran was better. The game was gone by that point. They were very good today. They are very dangerous in the attack. It's going to be a really interesting game on Tuesday. Group A will wrap up on Tuesday as well. Senegal, 3-1 winners over Qatar today. Qatar is the first team eliminated from the World Cup that, you know, maybe they uh, sent some enticements to certain people to make sure they got, um, just allegedly and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) But actually, I think it's been proven by this point. But anyway, um, they're eliminated. They should have had a penalty in the first half. There was a a completely missed call in my consistency, Jason. How many times do I have to use that word? You either give it 
Or you don't give it. And do these referees not watch the other games? I mean, come on, you must see what's being given and then oh, see no. the similarities and not want to. It drives me crazy. And you can see why coaches, players are getting frustrated because all they want is consistency. They just want to know what's a foul, what's not a foul. Alas, it's a tough one. Attacker just trucked in the 18 and no call. Uh, Senegal was the better team. I think there was a big difference in quality between those two. There's really not much more than that. It does set up an interesting game after the other result. Ecuador came back after conceding early. I thought they outplayed the Netherlands. Uh, the Dutch felt like they were outplayed as well. Moises Caicedo was brilliant in the midfield. Mm -hmm. Enter Valencia leads the golden boot race now with three goals. The one thing about this Dutch team, Cody Gakpo is a star. Cody Gakpo is going to have a big move in January, I think, from PSV, where he plays in the Netherlands. He is an absolute star. That was a great goal the early. Finish. Oh, unbelievable goal. Absolutely unbelievable. But they need moments like that. That's what the Netherlands are relying on right now. They're relying on big, amazing goals because they can't really create too much of their own. And Ecuador just resilient and i think this now gives ecuador more credit like we were giving them credit against qatar right but a lot of people again focused on the negative they focused on well qatar are awful qatar don't belong here well ecuador showed that that's not the case they are just a very very good side the netherlands couldn't handle their press the netherlands couldn't handle their transition from pressing turning over and moving into the attack and they could have had a couple of goals i thought yeah. they were a brilliant team and I'm so excited to see what they can do. Yeah, they play Senegal on Tuesday. A win or a draw, Ecuador advances. Senegal has to win that. That's going to be a really fun match. I do think that the call, the goal being called back at the end of the first half, it was correct. Mm -hmm. It's a call that is a little tricky because it's a player in an offside position, doesn't touch the ball. He is in the line of sight of the goalkeeper of the initial shot. And... The argument is that the goalkeeper was already moving towards the initial shot. It took to try and see the other way. to try and see because That's the guy stood in like. front of him. Come yes. on, guys. Listen, I, I like Ecuador. Like. I've got a soft spot for Ecuador. But when you look back at it and you see the angle from behind, he's he's not shuffling to dive. He's shuffling to get a little glance here, a little glance there. The ball almost strikes the guy that stood in his vision as well. Mm -hmm. It's if it hadn't been called back, people would be up in arms, I think. I would like to see more consistency in that call where it goes a step beyond just the line of sight. And any player who is within the field of vision of the goalkeeper who's in an offside position, because the goalkeeper has to hold their position mm -hmm. knowing that it could deflect off that player. They don't know if that player is onside or offside. They have to hold their position. Even if it's off to the side, you can see the shot. The ball's going in that direction. The goalkeeper has to hesitate for it just slows you down. And at this level of the yep. game, where strikes are hit with so much conviction, when the ball moves so quickly, even the matter of many seconds holding your dive, yep. holding your movement is the difference between making a save and pushing it into your goal. So former goalkeeper, definitely offside. <laughs> I think the call was correct. It's it's harsh. It's it's sad for Ecuador, who I thought was the better team and could have won this game. But it is the right call, in my opinion. Ecuador, Senegal, 10 a.m. on Tuesday, appointment viewing. It's a good appetizer for the games Tuesday afternoon at 2 o'clock. England, Wales, U.S., Iran. The group, I mean, I'm not surprised at where we are, honestly, and, and what needs to happen on the last day. We expected England to be leading the group going into the last day. They are. Uh, Iran maybe being in second is a little bit of a surprise, but all along, whenever when the the schedule came out, I think the idea for the U.S. was that they had to beat Iran to advance to the knockout round. That's the case. Iran can get through with a draw against the U.S. Wales needs a miracle backup goalkeeper. I don't expect anything from Wales in that game except for fight. Um, mm -hmm. They've got to get Gareth Bale involved. He barely touched the ball today. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was it was crazy. I'm not expecting anything about that. The U.S. holds its own cards. They got to deal with it. Let's go back to England for a second. Mentioned that there is a player who has become the new Gio Reyna in the conversation. And look, this is what we do, right? And when, when something happens in the game and we get in our feelings and we don't want to talk about facts and we want to just get in our feelings, right? It's always something that there's somebody on the bench who could fix everything. 
the magic man, the absolute magic man that would have come in and scored three goals in 20 minutes and changed everything. Everyone wants to hate the coach. It's just the way it is. That's why I'm not a coach at the highest level. I don't think I could handle it, but. Oh, I would not yeah. have social media if I was a coach at the highest level, because you would be really triggered to, to say some things to some folks. And right now, look, it's Phil Foden. And I love Phil Foden's game. I, I I would like to see more of Phil Foden for England. I would. I think this was a game that, yeah, I, I can buy into it. Um, but Phil Foden's not going to come in and fix everything either. He's not the Wolfman from Pulp Fiction. You know, I mean, he, he's not going to come in and make everything right. He should play more, though. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he should play instead of Mason Mount. Yeah, I that's one of the names I brought up, right? I didn't think he had a good game at all. I thought his touch evaded him. I thought he didn't have good control. He didn't have the same fight that he's used to having. There are a couple of plays that he almost gave the ball away in very, very, very dangerous areas. He didn't look clinical. I think he had one okay shot, but that was about it. And for me, we struggled. And listen, I think when it comes to, it's all well and good to say, hey, Phil Foden should have come into the game. But you have to have realistic expectations along it it wouldn't just be as simple as putting Phil Foden in. The players around Phil Foden would have also had to have stepped up their game. They would have had to have changed the way they were playing as well because it wasn't just Mason Mount that was struggling. It was the entire England team that was struggling to break down the US because of the hard work rate and determination of this American team. I thought they had more fight. I thought they had more spirit. And I thought there was more passion coming from the American players today. The U.S. does not magically get better and create more chances just because Gio Reyna is on the field. There's lots of things with that line of thought about just change this and everything's good. And if then you change that and it's not good, there's going to be somebody else on the bench that everybody's going to clamor for. That's not it's not that simple. This isn't a video game. So you bring on Phil Foden for Mason Mount. He's a different kind of player. You bring on Gio Reyna for Tim Weah, different kind of player Um, for the U.S. today. This game did not really, in my opinion, suit itself to Gio Reyna starting. I wanted to see Tim Weah again, and especially the way that they played it. I've, I've seen the U.S. shape described like three or four different ways, which should tell you that formation talk is, is meaningless. But I've seen it called a 4-4-2. I've seen it called a 4-3-3. It, it's both, honestly. It, it's both, depending on what phases of the game you want to dig into and break it down. Weston McKinney flared out more to the right, absolutely, because they were trying to pick on Luke Shaw. <laughs> Someone we, told we, us about that. Greg Someone Garza called that one. We talked about it. They were trying to pick on Luke Shaw in the first half of that game. It was clearly obvious. And how did they do that? Tim Weah, as a right winger, not purely as a second forward, as a right winger, and Weston McKinney and Serginio Dest creating overloads. And it worked pretty well. And then the game started to open up, and then they were able to bring Pulisic into the game more. You have to, to have your tactic of how you want to approach the opponent, how you, how you get the best out of your team, how you hide your team's weaknesses, and how you exploit the weaknesses in the other team, and how you protect yourself from what they do well. Those are the things that go into your game plan, that goes into your game model. you got to have that. Then you figure out which players fit the way you're going to play. And it's not always a clear-cut answer that Phil Foden or Gio Reyna are the solutions to everything. Maybe they don't fit the game model, where in this case for the U.S., you wanted to stretch the field more at times. You bring on a bigger body and Haji right up top. You do have Tim Weah come inside maybe a little bit more than he did against Wales, but he's still playing as a winger. You have Christian Pulisic in a little bit more of a free role at times, but he pressed up high and they pressed with three a lot of times. So like you have to have your game plan and then get the players to do the jobs within that model. And I think for the U.S., over the course of 180 minutes, they've done a really good job of that. I think for England, over the course of 180 minutes, they haven't done as good of a job with that. And And I'll ask you this, Jess, because we've talked about the the three center backs, two center backs thing for England. They've went back and forth. I kind of look at what Japan did in their match with Germany when they went to three center backs, mm-hmm. which you might hear and you say that's a defensive move. Mm-hmm. It's illogical that you see it as an attacking move. But what Japan did with it is that then the wing backs were able to get higher. You had one more player for defensive security. The wing backs are able to go more and stretch the width. 
I would kind of like to see if I'm an England fan, Luke Shaw, Kieran Trippier, maybe Kyle Walker coming back. I, into say, the team. I think they're waiting on Walker. I think maybe. they're waiting on Walker. Maybe uh, that's it. And he could play the third center back. That's the thing is he gives you the hybrid. The and that's something I love. And the adjustment to be able to cover the likes of Harry Maguire, who, by the way, was one of the best players on the pitch for England today. Best player I, for England. Honestly, I got to take back all the nasty things I said. He, When he puts on an England jersey, he knows what he's doing, that's for sure. But yeah, I agree. I think the fullbacks didn't attack as much as I would have liked to have seen. We know that Trippier's got good service. We know that Shaw's got good service. They were conservative. That's the word I used because I think we didn't want to take the gamble. I think we knew that the U.S., would be able to find that pocket of space that's left behind when your fullbacks do go forward. But adjustments need to be made. It wasn't good enough today by England. And I worry about this side right now if the sum of the parts isn't equaling the whole. There's so many yep. good individual players on this English roster. But are we seeing that equate to the performance we're seeing on the pitch? And today... We didn't. Today, when you looked at the lineup, and this isn't to discredit the U.S. men's national team, which has grown and has very good, talented players. If you look at the two on paper, England has far more quality, but they didn't play in a united manner in the same way that the U.S. did. And therefore, it became a very, very even game. I just don't think right now for England, the performance is matching the individual quality and talent that you should have on this field. I'll take issue with with far more quality. I don't think that gap is as big as maybe it used to be, but definitely more quality. Um, but again, you look at what Tyler Adams did. Tyler mm -hmm. Adams played like a big six Premier League player. He yeah. absolutely did. He has for this team in this tournament. I thought Weston McKinney was great today for as long as he could. I probably would have liked to have seen him subbed a little earlier. If I do have an issue with today and Greg Berhalter, it would be that McKinney probably needed to come off about 10 minutes earlier protect than he did. The guy, protect the guy. Protect him, but also I think he just ran out of gas. I mean, he's mm -hmm. not 100%. He's he's such a big personality in the team. I get it. But I think Brendan Aronson is the perfect sub to bring that energy as well. I'd like to have seen him a little bit earlier. Shaq Moore was all right. He, you know, could it have been DeAndre Yedlin? Yeah, it, it could have been. Uh, Jack Moore committed a few too many fouls. That was an issue. But in general, the U.S., I like where they are. They've got to execute in the final third. That's not a game plan thing. That's not a game model thing. That's not Greg Berhalter scoring goals. That's the players on the field executing when they create these chances. We're going to look ahead to tomorrow. You can start counting your juice boxes right now. We'll let you know what that board is looking like for Saturday in five minutes. We'll be back with Atlanta Soccer tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Sucker. Sucker. On the stage. And Jason Longshore has it all covered with Atlanta Soccer Tonight. On Sports Radio 92.9, The Game.
Welcome back. Last segment of Atlanta soccer tonight. Busy day at the World Cup. We've talked a ton about U.S. England. There was some other news around the tournament as well. We're going to get caught up on that. We'll look ahead to Saturday as well. Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm Jason Longshore, joined by Jessica Charman. And Jess, let's get into the news a little bit here. We've talked about Neymar. It did come out early today that he's going to miss at least the Switzerland match, game two for Brazil. Twisted his ankle in the win over Serbia. The involvement against Cameroon is going to depend really on the result against Switzerland. If they're good, he's not going to play in game three. But it's not just Neymar for Brazil. It's Danilo as well, the right back. And that's more of an issue because the only natural right back option on the bench was a little bit of a surprise that he made the squad. 39-year-old Danny Alves, the one trophy he doesn't have is the World Cup. He's got, I think, every other trophy he's had an opportunity to win. And I'm not exaggerating there. He might have missed one somewhere. But the guy has won so many trophies. The World Cup's the one. He's also 39. There's a couple of other solutions for Chichi the manager for Brazil, Eder Militao or Fabinho, kind of playing out of position a little bit. You worried about Brazil with these two injuries? Yes and no. I think when you talk about the replacements, yes, Alves is old, but he's got the experience. He's got the leadership. There's enough speed and understanding of the game around him to make up for maybe where he is at his stage of his career. In terms of Neymar, okay, unpopular opinion. I didn't think he was that great in the game even before he got hurt quite frankly I, I don't think he was the Neymar we were expecting to see he didn't set my heart on fire watching him play you know so big loss it's Neymar let's be realistic he's a guy that can make moments of magic out of nothing he can score an individual goal but we also saw this depth that they have in terms of playmaking in terms of goal scoring in terms of being able to have an impact they are blessed there are 99% of the other teams in the World Cup that lose a Neymar and they're doomed, quite frankly. They are crying. They are lost. Brazil's the one side that maybe gets away with not being able to have him on the pitch, which is, I think is why they're making this decision out of more being tentative and protecting. Not many teams have that luxury. Yeah, they've grown into that. I mean, you go back to 2014 when he was injured against Colombia, and there was a lot of crying. It was an awful injury, too. Just a complete fluke uh, knee in the back that ended up cracking vertebrae, if I remember right. But he was such a emotional part of that they're at home I, I think that was a big factor in the the seven one thrashing by germany in the semifinal that time this is a more mature brazil team and, and it's also a brazilian team that their manager and depending on where you are in brazil this is something i've learned over the last few days in some parts of brazil it is titi and in some parts of brazil it is chichi depends on where you are in brazil either way what he's done with this team is they have more of a structure than Maybe they've ever had any attack. They have been structured defensively in the past. They've almost been too defensive at times mm -hmm. to where it, it it's a big turnoff to the Brazilian people. But they play that positional play idea. If you, you can track it all the way back to the Netherlands and total football and Johan Cruyff and then follow it through to Pep Guardiola, there's a lot of similarities between Brazil and Manchester City in the mm -hmm. way that they approach the game. One of the big elements, the way that Brazil does it, and this is why I think it helps Danny Alves, is the fullbacks aren't bombing forward as much as they have in the past. They're going to really stay home a little bit more. They'll even tuck into the midfield and become that extra holding midfielder, as we see. I think Danny Alves will be protected. I think he'll be fine. Against Serbia, it was interesting watching that one because that's how the game started. After Serbia kind of ran out of gas about 30 minutes in, that's when Brazil unleashed the fullbacks. Which makes that's sense. When, yeah. It, it makes sense because they don't have the engine to get back, and then they're not going to be able to exploit you over the top as much. Yep. Brazil has a very, very tidy game plan, and they look the most complete, like you say, in terms of having defensive organization, but also offensive freeness, offensive expression, which maybe they haven't always been able to have in recent years. They have a framework, but the players are able to show their personality within that. It's really interesting to watch. It's it's beautiful to me when it comes off well. And that second half for Brazil against Serbia, that's what it looked like. It's interesting, though. Tata Martino, when he was asked about the tournament so far, he didn't say Brazil was the best performance that he's seen. He said Canada. I don't mind it. I think Canada's the most unexpected 
positive performance maybe coming I'll in, agree in with terms that. of people's perception. I think they feel very hard done, but I think they won a lot of hearts of people in the soccer world with how they played and a lot of respect was gained. I don't think it was the best performance of the entire World oh, Cup, yeah. but I think it was the biggest surprise complete package of a team, perhaps. Lots of guts in the way that they approached it. They were very swashbuckling, if you you want to <laughs> use a term for it. Um, maybe a little too much so afterwards. If you've heard John Herdman's comments about <laughs> how I think he was trying to talk his team up a little bit. Um, whatever bird app or donkey app or whatever you, you like to read, you might want to look at what some of the pictures that people have posted from the Croatian tabloids because they got a hold of John Herdman's comments. Oh no, I haven't seen this. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, they didn't really care for what uh Coach Herdman had to say about what his team was going to do to Croatia in the next match. And I'll just leave that one to all of you out there to look up <laughs> on your own time and learn a little bit about uh Croatian grudges. That's all. Uh let's move on to Saturday's games. Uh the two early ones I'm not super excited about. I'm not going to lie. Australia and Tunisia. I'll tell you why I'm not super excited about this. Tunisia's only won one game at the World Cup ever. Australia have gone winless in their last two World Cups. I was really disappointed with Australia after such mm -hmm. a great start against France. I thought they they did not have the swashbuckling nature that Canada had or no. we've seen from the U.S. or or some other teams in the they tournament. They laid down they and for. died, to put it nicely. And they got scared. They got scared. They can't be scared against Tunisia. They have to go out and win that game. Do you think they do? I think they should. Um, the interesting thing about it is Tunisia is a very defensive team. They're a mm -hmm. good defensive team. They're going to make life difficult. Australia's going to have to carry the play. And We're getting I don't close know to that top nil-nil uh, draws, Jason. We're getting close to the record. We're getting there. There were a couple other uh, interesting stats from today, too. And I think you have a trivia question, too, that you've been teasing that we might try to work in before we go tonight. Uh, the other games, Poland and Saudi Arabia at 8 o'clock. Can Saudi Arabia do it again? And can Poland look better than they did in game one? I thought Poland was maybe the worst performance of the first games. Um, they were awful, awful against Mexico. Just awful. Um, they've got to win that game to have some kind of a statement. And Saudi Arabia, look, they're not going to be able to, to be the surprise package anymore. Can they do what they did against Argentina? Again, can they be that brave? We'll find out at 8 o'clock. Two really good games to close it out, though. Denmark and France is the 11 o'clock. Denmark has beaten France twice in 2022 in Nations League action, including in Paris. They didn't look great in game one. France looked really good after a shaky first 15, but I still think France defensively was not maybe as strong as the scoreline indicated. We'll see how they handle Denmark. What are you expecting in that? I don't really know. I, I'm interested to see which team comes to play. Honestly, I don't think the Danish were as good as they can be. I think they were underwhelming in moments of that game. They know how important it is that they come out to perform. So I'm hoping we get to see the Denmark we were expecting to see. A lot of us put them making deep runs in the tournament, particularly you, Jason Longshore. The me. very, very, very deep run I to did. the final. I did. After that first game, I'm not sure... If they play like that, they'll be able to. So they need to grind the gears a little bit and improve, I would say. Yeah, my final uh, I picked before the tournament started was Argentina and Denmark. Um, I didn't have a good first game. First match day was not good for me. Uh, but both teams have a chance to correct it tomorrow. Uh, Argentina and Mexico at 2 o'clock. That's massive. Argentina knocked Mexico that. out in the round of 16 in 2006 and 2010. If you haven't seen the goal that knocked Mexico out in 2006, and I'm sorry for any El Tree fans out there, the Maxi Rodriguez Golasso is one of the best goals I've ever seen watching a game. It's one of those goals that if you're sitting watching a game that you cannot help but stand up. It mm -hmm. was that good. Um, huge, huge game with Argentina and Mexico. We look at the juice box numbers. The biggest underdog on the board tomorrow is Mexico at plus 600. I'm a little surprised by that. Argentina minus 195. The draw is plus 310. The next biggest is Saudi Arabia. Also a little surprised by that at plus 430. I'm, honestly, I'm kind of intrigued by that. Mm -hmm. uh, the draw is plus 260. Poland is minus 140. Tunisia and Australia, not quite a toss-up. Tunisia is favored at plus 110. 
Australia plus 260, draw plus 220. France is favored comfortably against Denmark. I'm also very intrigued by that. France minus 135, draw plus 260, and Denmark plus 390. Yeah. When you get these juice box predictions, you wonder if they watched the first round of games, don't you? They didn't watch the U.S. in the first round of games. I can tell you that much from the numbers from yesterday. That draw was sounding good last night, and it ended up playing out like it was pretty good. Um, A couple of interesting nuggets from today's action. You mentioned goalless draws in the tournament, and this tournament is getting close to that. I've actually been entertained in general by the tournament. I haven't felt like even today I've seen, oh, it was dreadful. Rawr, rawr, rawr. No, it was it was. I didn't say it was me. dreadful, Jason. You did not. You did not. There are I some people. I said politely that it wasn't the nil-nil you... of heroic nil-nils we've seen. You did not say that, but some people from across the pond might have said that in some different ways. And I didn't I didn't feel like that. I, I'm also emotionally invested in it. I thought it was an entertaining game. I thought the U.S. played to win. Um, but England have recorded 12 goalless draws in World Cup history, three more than anybody else who's played in the tournament. Does that mean anything to you? I mean, we're quite good. We're quite good defensively. I mean, I love, good, go. I love a good clean sheet. Ugh, I'm disappointed that we can't score goals in big games. And it's frustrating because we looked so it's good. My big take of the Iran game is that we had five different goal scorers. None of them were Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. No one looked dangerous, including Harry Kane, who is still yet to score. So it's a little concerning that we're not able to find the back of the net in the big games. Mm-hmm. Here's the the weirdest stat of the day for me. There is there are two teams who have hit the frame of the goal more often in the World Cup group stage than anybody else. There's two that are tied. Germany's one of them, and the U.S. is the other one. The U.S. added one in 2018. Added one today. Added one today. U.S. didn't even play in 2018. Thirteen times. Since the start of the 94 tournament, they have hit the post. They've hit the woodwork. Okay. <sighs> Close, but no cigar. I've got one for you there. Hennessy entered a very unique club today. Goalkeepers receiving red cards. My dad texted this one. Three now. Yeah. Do you know any of the other two that got sent off? I know one. Um, Gianluca Pagliuca for Italy okay. um, in 94. Yep. I remember that one. Um, I'll give you a clue. 2010. Oh, really? Okay. I was thinking it was going to be somebody old. Um, 2010. I do not know. Who was it? The South African goalkeeper against Uruguay. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah. The Paliuka one I specifically remember because Italy, you talk about teams that get off to a bad start. Um, Here's another bit of trivia for you. Every time Argentina has lost their first game, they've gotten out of the group. It's happened multiple times in World Cup history. Every time they've gotten out of the group. Um, it, it's it's just this weird thing when you get into these. Italy in 94, they started so badly. They lost to Ireland in game one on a Golasso. Then I think the second game is where Pagliuca got the red card. And then Roberto Baggio became King Baggio the rest of the way. He got hot and he carried them all the way to the final. And by the time they got to the final, his hamstring was like an old rubber band. And they had him take the first penalty and he put it into the stands. Oh, no. Yeah, that was bad. No, he took the last penalty. Sorry. Uh, they had multiple players with hamstrings that were rubber bands. And that, Just uh, exhausted. Yeah, Just it who took the first one and put it into the stands. It's it's trying to manage the tournament. And I think now that we're getting into these second games, it feels like everything's kicked up a notch to me. I really feel like now, okay, we've seen everybody once. We've seen some teams that surprised us in good ways, bad ways. Now we kind of have a sense of where things could go. We don't know yet. I would say so, but I think also, like you said, the tempo. The tempo is increasing. These teams have got the dust off of their shoulders. They're ready to play. And there's a lot of emotionally charged teams now out there. I'm so excited for that 2 p.m. game between Argentina and Mexico because if there was ever a high-stakes game in terms of the environment back home, in terms of the pressure 
on these coaches if they do not pick up a victory tomorrow. There are a lot of players playing out there for their country, knowing how much pressure is on their shoulders. That game could get a little tipsy. It will. It it will get tipsy in the like bad cheap beer kind of way. The four locos. Um, you, I don't know if it's <laughs> going to get there. Um, I, I think it's it's going to get in whatever alcohol that you drink that makes you angry. It's going to have an edge to it. There, there's going to be cards in that game. Um, it's a fascinating one because Argentina came into this as a favorite. You know the pressure that they're under, the expectation. Also, there's a, an emotional swing for it. This is the first World Cup they've played since the death of Diego Maradona. Today mm-hmm. was the two-year anniversary of his passing. Uh, Lionel Messi posted a picture of Maradona from the World Cup on his Instagram today. A lot of players did. That's something that's going to really push them forward. On the Mexico side, it's revenge. It's Argentina's knocked them out of two World Cups. Argentina has been kind of the bogey team for Mexico for so many years. Mexico's handled Brazil pretty well at times, but Argentina has constantly knocked Mexico out of tournaments. They're going to want to change that in this one because they could knock Argentina out. If that other game goes a certain way, they could knock Argentina out at 2 o'clock tomorrow. Nobody. Nobody. That would be the perfect revenge, though. Talk about revenge, Jason. That That would taste very sweet. That would be absolute madness. We'll be back live tomorrow night after LSU and Texas A&M, likely around 11 o'clock or so. We'll break down everything from Group C and Group D, and we'll look ahead to Sunday's massive match for Germany against Spain. Join us live tomorrow night on 92.9 The Game or the Odyssey app. You can always download the show on demand as well via the Off the Woodwork podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us for a part of your Friday night. Adios, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.